ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. It is Friday, July 30th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling us on the White Claw phone lines, 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. White Claw Heart Seltzer. It is made pure. We got the Mountain State Athletic Conference preseason poll. That's out today. We'll tell you where the local teams rank. We'll get your comments on social media, of course, Twitter, at Paul Swan. You can join me there this afternoon. And we'll get into, of course, the big news of the day. I, I'm i not surprised. Maybe I should be, but I'm not surprised. The NCAA seems to have finally realized that the way it's structured right now, it's not getting anything done. The NCAA is sort of out of sorts, so... NCAA issues a statement today, and we're going to really deep dive into this. But the Board of Governors, NCAA, are going to convene a special constitutional convention in November. The action expected to be taken at the NCAA scheduled convention in January, it's going to provide recommendations for restructuring NCAA across all three divisions. So we're going to see maybe some broad, not a retooling. That's kind of the gist I'm getting, not a retooling, but sweeping changes here. So we're going to dive into that and what that means. Bigger news today than Texas and Oklahoma, maybe. Possibility here of this being the top story. But while we talk, Texas and Oklahoma were unanimously accepted into the SEC. And guess what? The Board of Regents in Texas and Oklahoma unanimously voted to formally accept those invitations to join the SEC. So that comes out today. And so it begins. And this is probably what partially precipitated what the NCAA is about to do because you're seeing a consolidation of power. And really, I think that's more what's happening here. You're seeing larger chunks of power. If you have seven, eight, major conferences. I mean, you can argue right now you have six, even though there's a power five and the American falls definitely at six at the moment. But if you have a majority of the power at the top, there's a, there's a real potential that power breaks away to form its own thing. And so the NCAA may be trying to finally reassert itself or to create itself in a way that it can be more flexible. And of course, we don't know what's going to come out of this, but the big news here is Texas and Oklahoma now formally accepting invitations, going to be joining the SEC. And now we'll see what the lawyers want to do here. And will other members of the Big 12 hold fast, will hold steady, and try to save that conference? Or will you see maybe, and it's, it's really, I think, going to happen. You'll see maybe some lobbying by maybe those schools to find some better landing spots. Because what does the Big 12 offer without Texas and Oklahoma? What's the reason for being in the Big 12? Well, 
The reason for being in the Big 12 were your anchors, of course, Texas and Oklahoma. Others have already left for possibly greener pastures. I, I don't know how the Pac-12 feels about things right now, but you, know, you had a defection a few years ago. And, of course, you know, the, the Big 12 born of two conferences. The good news here is if you think about this, you seriously sit down and think about this for a minute. Sure, Oklahoma loses Oklahoma State as a conference member, but Oklahoma has made the assertion that, look, just because we're leaving doesn't mean we don't want to continue competing against Oklahoma State on the football field and in all athletics. So that's a pretty bold statement right there. That's pretty, that's pretty solid to say, look, we're, we're leaving the conference. Sorry, you can't come along, but that doesn't mean we don't want to play you. Sure, we'll play you. Just not going to be in the same conference as you, but we'll definitely continue the rivalry. We'll play you. Okay, that's that's okay. Not exactly what Oklahoma State wants. I'm sure uh, the value for Oklahoma State's being in the same conference as Oklahoma, that's not happening at this moment. I mean, what does Texas get out of this? What does Oklahoma really get out of this? And, and the more you think about this, the more you look at it, Maybe the matchups and the rivalries are going to be better in the SEC. Seriously, think about it. If you're Texas, where where would you rather be on a Saturday? Would you rather be playing Missouri? Or would you rather be playing... Playing in Morgantown, no offense here, but you got to look at this from a, a traditional rivalry point of view. Where would you rather be if you're Texas? I mean, you're kind of getting some of your, your rivals back, just to a degree. You're getting Texas A&M. They're, they're going to be on the schedule. I mean, that's going to be great. Texas, Texas A&M, right? You're getting Arkansas. I mean, that's going to be good. That makes sense for Texas and Oklahoma, doesn't it? You're getting Missouri. That makes sense for Texas and Oklahoma, right? Doesn't it? I think it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense here. I mean, these are these are matchups that maybe make more sense than some of the things you got in the Big 12 right now. Because Oklahoma and Texas will get Texas A&M. I think that's great. Honestly, now that I, just, I think about it, Arkansas, that, that's going to be good. Missouri, that's going to be good. I mean, you throw in, hey, by the way, uh, you get to have Alabama on your schedule, right? That's good. You get to have Auburn on your schedule, right? That's good. LSU? I'm not saying that Texas and Mississippi State is going to be a marquee matchup, but it might. I'm not going to say Oklahoma and South Carolina is going to be a marquee matchup, but it might. So you look at this, and you might be getting, as far as you're concerned, some better matchups for your fans, for your travel. And again, I mean that's not a dig at, say, WVU or some of the other teams in the Big 12. That's not. It's where does it make sense? And in Texas and Oklahoma's uh, 
collective thought process, you're in a, a stronger position in a power conference than you are with the Big 12. And so the other members of the Big 12 now have to figure out, do you keep this thing going or do you try to restructure and get into some leagues that afford you a little bit more protection right now? I mean, that's a lot of it. Affords you a little bit more protection, a little bit more, say, at least a seat at the big table because we don't know what's going to happen here. The NCAA might fall apart. You, know, you might see these four major conferences just break off and say, look, we're going to do our own thing here. We're going to govern ourselves. We're going to have our own thing. We're going to see maybe a higher tier of football. And so other schools and the group of five, these leftovers, power five will maybe consolidate into four strong structures so teams are going to be scrambling right now. So we're definitely going to see a restructuring here. What's going to happen? And I don't know if you can really put together a fifth or sixth conference with what you've got here since there's such a clustering of teams now. I mean, the American is going to be the closest thing we have to potentially a fifth. It's going to be legitimately a power four. There won't be a power five unless – the American comes together with the Big 12 and maybe brings some teams together, but I don't know what makes sense there. And all of that is before we see what's happening with the NCAA with this Board of Governors call for a con convention to go over a new constitution, just figure out what it's going to look like. So we'll talk about that. And don't forget, you have, you have the college football playoff is that going to go to 12 now? Does the structure allow for 12? If you don't have a strong Big 12, does the structure allow for 12? Because you might look at 12 and go, okay, a lot of that's going to come from the SEC. You're going to have your top five, six conference teams. So do you see maybe the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 10, the ACC taking four of those spots? And then the Big 12 fighting it out with the American, the Mountain West, the Sun Belt, the MAC, Conference USA. I mean, there's a potential there. You might see the Sun Belt. You might see the American in this thing with automatic bids. Then you'll see Notre Dame. And then where do you load the rest of the teams from? I mean, maybe you take a team from the Big 12. Maybe you take a couple of SEC teams. You don't necessarily have a set amount. You don't have to say, well, we can only take one SEC team here or two. You could take three or four. We don't know what the structure is going to look like here because we don't know what the final structure is going to look like at the conferences. So that's going to be a big issue. You know, will this thing move forward? Will it be restructured? But automatically, you're going to have at least the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, four spots right there. There are no automatic qualifiers, but they're going to have the top-ranked champions among the conferences. And then the champion of the Big 12, you know, how high would that champion be rated? And really, if you can maintain the Big 12 and keep it going and maybe keep it above the American, I mean, that's your shot at the table, right? Would you say the uh, Big 12 champion would 
in this current configuration, without Texas and Oklahoma, would the Big 12 champion maybe outrank or be rated higher than an American champion? I mean, there's a possibility. Or the Sun Belt, there could be some strides made here over the next few years. And again, you know, we got TV contracts going to be renegotiated. You know, what's the contract going to look like? What's the media rights going to look like? Does ESPN say, look, you're not worth that much? And, of course, you have the legal wranglings now with the Big 12 making the assertion that ESPN is kind of trying to gerrymander this, kind of trying to rig the game here, and ESPN firing back like, nope, not us. Thanks for playing. We'll see you soon. So much going on. We'll talk about this uh, letter that went out today from the NCAA, what it means. Also, we'll go over the – rankings, the preseason poll, what the coaches say is going to happen in the Milton State Athletic Conference. Baseball action coming up for you tonight. We'll go over that as well here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. So the NCAA Board of Governors is going to be convening a special constitutional convention of November. It's going to be like 1776 all over again, right? Familiar with that movie, the the play, the musical, are you familiar with that? It feels like that's what it's going to be. It's going to be just like the musical 1776. They're going to be fighting. There's going to be a lot of arguing. I don't know if there's going to be song and dance, but it feels like this could happen. And today we find out that it's going to be a 22-person constitutional review committee. It's going to have university presidents, conference commissioners, athletic directors, and students from Division One, Two, and Three. It's going to be created to redraft the NCAA's constitutional articles. See, it told you it's going to be 1776 all over again here. Uh, this is what NCAA President Mark Emmert said. This is not about tweaking the model we have now. This is about wholesale transformation so we can set a substantial course. I'm sorry, a sustainable course for college sports for decades to come. We need to stay focused on the thing that matters most, helping students be as successful as they can be as both students and athletes. We expected this, right? This had to be coming. This had to be coming. I mean, Emirates already kind of telegraphed that. He said a couple weeks ago it was time to consider a decentralized and deregulated version of college sports. Basically saying, look, that power's got to be shifted to conferences and campuses away from the NCAA. So what happens here? Well, I think the conferences took him up on that starting with Oklahoma and Texas going, all right, we're in, and we're going to ask to be a part of the SEC because they're going to be the big dog in this. Could you imagine the SEC can just do what it wants? And then maybe the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten and maybe the Pac-12 all kind of come together as – a unified body of conferences not really concerning itself with what happens with the rest 
of college football or college athletics to a degree. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be really good for a NFL model or a what I've seen as a NFL G League, a step down league. I mean, you're going to get some great matchups in the SEC. I can't argue that. I cannot argue that whatsoever. You're going to have that. And Oklahoma has already said, look, we want to play Oklahoma State. We want to play. That's what you hear, right? We we want to play. And it seems that the SEC is probably going to lead the way in this. Obviously, it's going to be one of the biggest power brokers on the table. And, of course, the NCAA needs to come up with something. If the NCAA is to survive and be viable as an organization, the NCAA needs to because the Supreme Court basically kicked it in the teeth and ruled against the NCAA, upheld a lower court ruling in an antitrust case related to caps on education-related compensation. Name, image, and likeness has started to tear the walls down even further. I mean, you're starting to see not just cracks in the foundation. You're seeing chunks of the wall just being torn down. And so the NCAA seeing the writing on the law because this is just going to, I really believe they, they saw that we're going to have to fend off more challenges. We're going to have to as an organization. You know, we better lawyer up here because we're going to be busy a while here because there's going to be more challenges. So now the NCAA is going to try to figure out how to go about its business and keep well, keep itself functional. Keep itself functional. Keep itself relevant. Keep itself in the picture be a part of the change instead of being what the change walks away from. Instead of having the big conferences say, look, we're going to go out on our own. We have the power here. We've got the most desirable products. We have the biggest footprint. We have the biggest TV packages. We have the major players here, and we're going to do fine, and we're going to go about our own way. But I think a lot of this is coming down to conferences are going to have to maybe power up again because it's pay-for-play coming. Is pay-for-play coming? Is that going to eventually be a reality? And then Reggie Bush can finally ask for his Heisman back and the NCAA can say, okay, we're doing pay-for-play now. Hey, Reggie, I guess it's okay. Does pay-for-play destroy college athletics for you? Not destroy it as an institution, but does it destroy it for you? At this point, is it a smaller version of the NFL or a minor version of the NFL or a G League? Or do you lose interest? Now, if you're Oklahoma and Texas, maybe not. If you're a fan of Oklahoma and Texas, maybe not. Because you know Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas, LSU, it's going to be some of the matchups you get to look forward to. Yeah, sure, this is going to be great if you're a fan. You're not going anywhere, right? You'll show up. 
But is it going to continue to make a majority of schools not relevant? I think already the college football playoff for me has not benefited a majority of college football programs. Four can get in. Four can get in. And then you have, it's still a little top-heavy. You, you have some of the bigger bowls that are in this cabal, this cartel. And you got some great matchups leading up to the playoff, the national championship. You got some of that, and that's great. And then you got the lesser bowls. And as great as those are in the minds of coaches, their relevancy has decreased in my mind and I'm sure a lot of people's minds. Because at the end of the day, what's your hope here? If you play for a school that's not in this soon-to-be new power structure, I mean, what's your best hope here? Your best hope is you can win your conference championship and you get to go to a bowl. That's it. I mean, it's already that way, but it, there's going to be a, a bigger chasm here. Or you're going to be relegated to a smaller division, a lower level. Maybe that's happening. And basketball, basketball is a different beast because everybody theoretically has a shot. Some conferences, it's a very limited shot, but you have a shot. Other conferences, you can fall to 500 and you can get in. You have some conferences maybe get a couple of bids, and, and that's good. And you have some conferences that get that one bid. And it's exciting because they get that one bid. They, they get that shot. And those schools and those teams and those, those kids and those fan bases are excited because they're invested. They get that shot. They're in. What they do with it afterwards is basically down to are they good enough to win? But they're in. They're, they have that shot. And we like it because you never know. A big could get upset by this conference team that you've never heard of before. This conference, that okay, I've, I remember them from last year. I, I, I've heard of this team maybe once. And a big can get upset. And that's what's fun about this. With college football, though, I don't know. I are we more interested in just a complete overhaul of this and it's just top-heavy and we have a power structure that is condensed to maybe 64 teams, maybe? 50, 60? That's it. That's And everybody else, hey, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you in non-conference. So this is going to have to change because, again, I think a lot of this power restructuring is going to come down to pay for play. Going to have to have a stronger presence at the table, or you're going to at least have to have a presence at the table. I think Texas and Oklahoma saw that the Big 12 was not a player enough to maybe sustain them long-term Maybe they're playing a long game. Maybe they're looking at this as an opportunity to at least be in the conversation. I mean, maybe this is coming. 
sooner than later. And then that's going to leave a lot of teams on the outs. Phone number 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Our phone number this hour brought to you by White Claw at 877-420-TALK. White Claw Heart Seltzer, it is made pure. Also, your comments on Twitter, at Paul Swan. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. We're getting closer to high school football season as well. And a little bit closer to home for a lot of us. Mountain State Athletic Conference coaches have had their say now. They've got an idea of what the preseason poll will look like as the league has voted. And here's how it shakes up. St. Albans comes in at 10, and they got 17 points total here. Uh, Riverside came in at 9 at 19 points. And then it jumps a little bit. Capital comes in at 8 with 39. Then Parkersburg at 7 with 45. And then you have Hurricane. At 54 points, getting the sixth spot, George Washington comes in fifth with 56 points. And then it jumps up a little bit. Uh, You've got Huntington coming in at four. So if you're the fourth best team in the Mountain State Athletic Conference, that's got to be pretty good. If you're sitting there at four and five, that's got to be feeling really good right now. Huntington, young team, hopefully that experience is finally going to come. I know Billy Seals talking about that uh, in, uh, in the newspaper today talking about that experience. And then uh, Spring Valley gets one first-place vote, 85 total points. And then South Charleston inching past them at 87 points with six first-place votes. And then Campbell Midland, Campbell Midland coming in at number one, only two first-place votes. If I did my math right here, so Campbell Midland, two first-place votes, Coming in with 88 points. That's pretty good. A lot of coaches maybe didn't think you were going to win it all. A lot of coaches thinking South Charleston, but enough coaches felt that you were good enough to maybe be number two, put you over the top. So I'm kind of curious. I would like to see what the breakdown of this would be because you get six first-place votes. You're the best team, right? 88, it was one point that separated. Now, this stuff's not going to matter because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's how you perform on the football field. And once again, I expect a strong showing from the area teams. Cabell Midland, Spring Valley, Huntington. I mean, the only bad thing about having three really good teams like this in Class AAA is that they all play each other. And they're going to beat each other up. They're going to knock each other around. It's great for you and me, trust me, because Cabell Midland, Spring Valley, that's going to be a hell of a game. And then Spring Valley, Huntington, always going to be a fantastic game. Huntington, Cabell Midland, going to be a fantastic game. That's the battle for the shield right there. And and you know how those trophy games go. And these kids all see each other, so they like to get after each other on the football field. But other than that, you know, they, they all see each other. They know each other. They're friends with each other, I'm sure, in, in certain circles. So, you know, you know how all of that goes. And then I think a school like South Charleston, definitely going to be a, a contender once again. It's tough. 
if you're in the Mountain State Athletic Conference, it's tough because if you're Parkersburg, you used to be on top of this thing, right? And you're seventh? Looking forward to it. I can't wait, though, because really there's a lot of unknowns. The way the season went last year, the way everything went, I almost feel like we're starting from scratch just about. We're starting from scratch as far as the way this thing has been over the last couple of years. And you're maybe finally getting a true representation of what these teams can be. Hopefully we're not going to have situations once again with uh, games being canceled. I don't know what's going to happen, honestly, with a Delta variant out there right now. I don't know what restrictions are going to look like here in the next few weeks. If we're going to have restrictions again, I'm not sure. It's out there. It's a possibility. It's going to impact our lives one way or another. So whatever happens, uh, this is how it shakes out as far as the Mountain State Athletic Conference. Uh, I'm excited here. The next few weeks, uh, we're going to try to ramp up our high school coverage. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting some uh, people on to tell you more about your favorite team, including Campbell Midland, Huntington, Spring Valley, Hurricane. The list goes on and on. I'll bring... All of that to you here in the next few weeks. But when we continue, we're going to wrap it up. We'll get your comments in. You can find me on social media at Paul Swan. Love to hear from you. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, the local bank that's here for every step of your life's journey. Member FDIC. Pirates get rocked last night. Back in action. Maybe a little bit more to play for as Philadelphia, the opponent. That's coming up tonight, 640 our airtime here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Milwaukee's taking on Atlanta. Cincinnati taking on the Mets. That's going to be on Bally Sports Ohio tonight at 7 o'clock. Welcome back to The Drive. Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Some good news today for the Marshall men's golf team. Five players honored as All-American Scholar Athletes by the Golf Coaches Association of America. Earning the awards were redshirt seniors Matt Hoffman, Cameron Root, senior Brad Plazic, junior Kyle Mitchell, and sophomore Tyler Jones. Now, Root, Plazic, and Mitchell are repeat winners. They also got the honor in 2020. Hoffman and Jones were named for the first time in their careers. So some good news happening today for golf and for the Thundering Herd. Next week's going to be pretty busy. If you're a Herd fan next week, it's going to be pretty busy because we've got Fan Day coming up on the 7th. On Saturday, so there's going to be a fan day for you. Get a chance to be a little bit more up close and personal with the Thundering Herd. I know you're excited about that here in a couple of weeks. I mean, every Friday night, I don't know if you know this by now, but every Friday night, 9th Street Live. It's been taking the Tri-State by storm. It is the place to be, especially on a Friday night. And 9th Street Live here in a few weeks is going to also feature the Thundering Herd pep rally. That's going to be August 20th. So soccer team's going to be there. Of course, the soccer team's got to be there. Hold up that trophy, that championship. And, of course, football team's going to be there. The band, the cheerleaders, everything you expect from the Thundering Herd at a pep rally. 
It's going to be at 9th Street Live, and that's coming up on August 20th. So I'm excited. Hopefully I can get to be there as well. Usually it's kind of hard to get me out of the studio and into a live situation. I'm hoping to change that, especially for that day. So I'm looking forward to being back out with you and getting to see you. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we can make that happen. All right, I saved this for last. Uh, this might not be safe for uh, for young ears. I'm just going to warn you now. Uh, it's nothing. I'm not going to. I'm not going to glorify anything here, but it might be a little gory for you. Just so you know, younger ears. If you have an aversion to professional wrestling and something called a death match, uh, you uh, you might want to maybe make sure the kids. If you don't want them exposed to this, I'll give you that warning right now. I mean, it's. I'm not going to go into anything gratuitous, but you, you've been warned now. That's that's the warning that I'm going to talk about some things that you might go, nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't want my kid hearing that. All right. Um, if you're familiar with professional wrestling, you know there are two. There, there are several organizations, but right now there are two major organizations. You have, of course, WWE, and you have the upstart AEW. Now, AEW kind of reminds me of what WCW used to be, but it's maybe a, a new evolution of that. It's a smart progression of what maybe WCW used to be. It airs on TNT. It has a, a lot of young and up-and-coming talent, some, some mainstays you haven't seen in a while. One of those is Chris Jericho, and of course, Chris Jericho spending years in both WCW and in WWE. He's had a long story career. He played Planet Fest a few years ago when we had that event, so he's rocked the tri-state. He's entertained you on the wrestling stage for a long time, and he was in a match on Wednesday night. There's a show on TNT called AEW Dynamite. And the gimmick here is that Chris Jericho, he has to go through a sequence of more demanding, challenging, absurd matches to get to a wrestler that has been his nemesis, who has caused him grief. That's the storyline. And so... This was the second match of this labor, sort of the labors of Chris Jericho to set this up. And so Chris had to fight this street style, I don't want to call him a cage fighter, more of a backyard wrestling fighter. You've seen those YouTube videos. You've seen guys being thrown through tables of glass, uh, light bulbs being shattered over heads, barbed wire, all of that. You've seen these things before. So basically, I don't want to call it a sanitized version, but a a primetime version of that happened because the goal here is to beat Chris Jericho up so he doesn't get to the final wrestling match that will feature him getting his hands on his nemesis. And so... The match featured all the above. You had chairs. You had no rule. Okay, I know. There are no rules in wrestling anyway. They say they are. They're not. So you had all of that. You had tables being busted over heads or at least chairs. You had glass. And 
this fighter, this backyard specialist, uh, he is referred to as the uh, deathmatch king. He excels in this style of brutality and mutilation. And Chris Jericho is getting beat up pretty bad here. Uh, This wrestler even brought to the ring, and here's where it's going to get interesting, brought to the ring a pizza cutter. Yes, not a knife, no, a pizza cutter. That was one of his weapons he brought. There were baseball bats in the ring, but a pizza cutter. So the match itself between Nick Gage, who is this murder, death king, match specialist, Honestly, I watch wrestling and I never heard of this guy. So this guy comes in. He's wrestling Chris Jericho. I mean, this match drew the fourth highest viewership in this promotion's history. So he used the pizza cutter to cut Chris Jericho's forehead open. And he's bleeding. So there's blood all over because, I mean, these guys have bladed before. Ric Flair would blade himself. So, you know, you'd see a red mask. and, And, hey, again... Uh, It's a little more family-friendly in the WWE, right? So, Domino's Pizza is a sponsor, or at least they're a sponsor in rotation. They're in the broadcast. What AEW does, and I've seen this happen more and more now, is what is happening here is you're getting sort of a a premium spot. They'll go to picture-in-picture. So the wrestling match is continuing. You get to see it in one corner. And in a larger portion of the TV screen, you're going to get to see the commercial ads. They don't do this for the entirety, but yeah, if you want to kind of maybe retain some people a little longer, you have picture in picture. So they're seeing the ad, maybe hearing the ad, and while they're trying to pay attention to the match in the corner. Well... Tone deaf, as it might sound now, what happened during this? They go to commercial break on the broadcast. And so Chris Jericho's bleeding. He just got cut open with a pizza cutter. And all of a sudden, during the picture-in-picture, after this happened, they go to a commercial, which featured Domino's Pizza and their workers Slicing up a piece of pizza, slicing a pie, before boxing it up for their delivery and pickup service. So, a lot of people on social media thought that, oh, that's great, that's wonderful. Chris Jericho just got sliced open with a pizza cutter, and then Domino's Pizza comes on with the Domino's Pizza ad, and Domino's was not amused. Domino's is family-friendly, right? It's a family family business, family-friendly. I mean, all these brands are, are family-friendly now. This was not family-friendly. I mean, I, I sat there and go, okay, wow, we're really going here with this match. I watched the whole thing, by the way. And so uh, Domino's is a little troubled. They're thinking about pulling their, their advertising here. Uh, they're going to look into this. So we might not see this type of match here in the, the near future if you are really interested in uh, retaining some dollars. Sure, the fans ate it up, no pun intended, but yeah, one of your sponsors, not so happy with, especially 
Domino's right next to Chris Jericho being cut up with a pizza cutter. And then they go to a commercial featuring pizza is being cut with a pizza cutter. I just thought that was hilarious. And there you go. That's going to do it for this edition. Hey, we're going to be back here on Monday. We're going to do it all over again. Um, I'm told that it's a special week because uh, next week's my birthday. So I'm told that I get a week. I get a birthday week. I, I, I don't know what that means. Does that mean I get stuff every day? Does that mean I'm going to get gifts, prizes? What do I get here? I keep hearing that reference. A birthday week. By the way, a special birthday shout out uh, to a co-worker and a long-standing friend of mine, Eric Rains. I, uh, I've been working with this young man for a long time. He's older than me, but uh, we went to college together. He's Eric on 92.7 and 98.5 The Planet. So a special shout out to him. A great friend of mine, and I wish him a happy birthday. That's going to do it for this edition here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W231BS Huntington, broadcasting from the Oscars Breakfast Burgers and Brew Studios. This is ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.